Rebecca is not here today. Those of you who are not aware, she has uh, injured her shoulder significantly and uh, is not going to be here for a few weeks. And when we found out about this, um, Chloe, my, my daughter, um, oh, she probably would say her, my eldest daughter by five minutes, but um, she offered, she does a really good impression of Rebecca. I don't know whether you know this. She has a great impression of Rebecca and she offered, she said, Mum, if you write the sermon, I'll get up and, and deliver it uh, as if it were you and I don't think anyone would notice. Unfortunately, she doesn't speak quite fast enough. And so she's, she, we, we said no. So you got me again this week. I hope that's okay because, well, that's it. Hey, so this is the second week in our Living Our Mission series, uh, exploring the mission of the Salvation Army, the fourfold mission of the Salvation Army. Last week, we looked at caring for people. And we looked at it through the eyes of the story Jesus told of the Good Samaritan. And we, we looked at it and we learned that it is in fact our mission to care for people more than just to serve people. And if you missed that, I encourage you to go back into the YouTube feed and find it and listen. It's perhaps a good reminder on Mother's Day. The second plank in our fourfold mission is to create faith pathways. This week, we are talking about creating faith pathways. It is our calling, as is the calling for all Jesus followers, to do whatever we can to assist people in their searching for faith. For many people I know, it was their mothers who showed them the pathway to faith. Would anyone care to raise a hand to say it was their mother who uh, showed them the ways of faith? Anybody? Yeah. It's not unusual, is it? Back in the New Testament, Eunice and Lois, a grandmother and a mother, are praised for the way in which they passed on their faith to a young leader named Timothy. Yeah, so as parents and grandparents, we are well acquainted with creating faith pathways for our kids. But how do we do that for other people? Do we have Sunday school for adults? I don't know, it's an idea. Anyone interested? <laughs> you know what, I think it's perhaps easier than we might think. Uh, I don't know if you read the blog post or the front of the messenger, but about eight years ago, I was hiking the overland track with a bunch of mates from the Greater West Division of the Salvation Army. Uh, and we were in the middle of Tasmania. Has anybody hiked the Overland Track? There's one. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we go. Oh, Tasmanian. There you go. That's just a walk down the backyard. So, it's a brilliant five-day or six-day hike if you're particularly inclined. And we'd been walking for four days, and this was our fourth night on the trail, and a storm had blown in. We woke up and the world was covered in a layer of snow. It was amazing. Everything was so white. It was brilliant. We were doing snow angels. We were throwing snow at each other. We were having so much fun, except for the American who was with us. And he'd grown up in Pennsylvania where it snowed every day for about three months of the year. And it was awful. And he's like, you're kidding me, right? But anyway, we had a lot of fun. But we discovered when it was time to shoulder our packs and leave, we couldn't find the trail. No idea where the pathway was. <laughs> no clue. So we're standing there 
not knowing where to go or what to do. We'd been walking for four days and it began to get a little bit smelly. I mean, it was freezing, our food was running out, but we hadn't showered. We didn't even change our clothes. Yeah, yeah, it's confession time. Our boots were full of water and this is the worst bit, we were out of phone service. I know, it's horrific. We just wanted to get home and the worst thing was this was the beginning of our final day. We knew that at the end of this day there was a hotel. The hotel would have Wi-Fi and hot showers and what looked to be the world's largest hamburgers. I know, we did our research before we left. But we couldn't find the path. Fortunately, we weren't alone. There were plenty of others out on the same trail and eventually, a couple of locals took off. They shouldered their packs and they just walked off through the snow. Turns out they knew where to go. They'd been there a number of times. They knew the way to the light, the warmth and the Wi-Fi. They were trailblazers. They cleared the path for us. Thank God. The truth is, the pathway to the warmth and light of God is always there. It has always been there. The problem is that the world obscures it like a layer of snow. It makes it hard for people to find those of us who are experienced in this walk need to clear a path sometimes for others who are less experienced and help them find their way to the light, the warmth. I want to talk about a couple of roadblocks, a couple of layers of snow that I think are particularly meaningful and particularly problematic, like my tongue, in our society. A couple of roadblocks that we need to be mindful of and to clear away when best, as best we can. I want to talk today about hypocrisy and judgmentalism. Because there is a sad truth out there, there are people living out there who call themselves Christians, but who display a lack of acceptance, affirmation and authenticity. Mahatma Gandhi famously said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. So let me talk first about the layer over the pathway of faith that is sometimes judgmentalism. A quick two-minute search on social media will reveal to you Christians and preachers who are condemning people for their sexual orientation, for their gender, for their lifestyle choices or for even their political views. It's ridiculous. I doubt that this is what Jesus had in mind when He gave His life in love for the world. This is a serious roadblock. Because the truth is, few people ever get judged into a life change. Have you ever felt judged by somebody? Show of hands. Few, any of you felt judged by somebody? Has anyone offered you advice you didn't ask for? Yeah, it's Mother's Day, right? How many of you as parents have ever been offered advice you didn't ask for? 
motherhood is particularly fraught in that area. Let's look at Jesus' encounter with this woman at the well in John chapter 4. I apologise, the reading is about 40-something verses long, and so I uh, selected a number of verses that I wanted to highlight, but if you uh, have your Bible with you, feel free to read all of John chapter 4. Actually, there's a great other story that comes after this too, so that's great. So, John chapter 4, look it up. This woman has every reason to expect that Jesus would judge her. He is male, she is female, in a highly patriarchal society. He is Jewish, she is Samaritan, in a highly prejudiced and bigoted society. He is a rabbi, a respected religious teacher. She is a woman who has had five failed marriages and is now living with another guy. She is so ashamed of herself that she has come to collect water in the hottest part of the day because no one else is normally there. She doesn't have to put up with people staring at her if she goes in the middle of the day. She is someone who knows the judgment of other people. And she would have had every expectation that Jesus would look down on her and judge her. But instead, Jesus says, I'm thirsty, can I have a drink of water? He asks her for a drink, it launches a conversation in John chapter 4, 7 to 9. Let's have a look at those verses. Can you give me a drink of water? Disciples are going to get lunch, that's great. When he asks her for a drink of water, he's a male Jewish guy putting her in a position of power. Do you you see that? She has the water, he is expressing his thirst. He needs her. She expresses surprise that he would even talk to her. She expects his judgment. And so, in his first words, he clears a roadblock of judgment about her gender and race. And I think it's significant. I don't know, you might have read this story before, but I think it's significant that nowhere does it let us know whether or not Jesus got his drink of water. You see that? In fact, he was more interested in asking this question than actually getting a drink of water. He is more concerned with communicating his non-judgmental affirmation of who she was and her ability to serve him. So then they enter into a discussion where he reveals that he knows about her past. He knows that she feels the shame that sticks from all the things that have happened to her in life. Today being Mother's Day, it does make me wonder whether or not she had any children Imagine how complicated her life could have been. Or perhaps she was unable to conceive and that is why she is divorced and passed on and passed on and passed on. Treated like an object. But Jesus offers no words of advice or judgment, just acceptance. And so finally she brings up a religious challenge The difference between the Jews and Samaritans is hundreds of years old religious disagreement. You worship there, we worship here. Jesus says that doesn't matter anymore. He's about to die for all of humanity regardless of belief. 
Do you see what Jesus does? In this conversation, he is removing the roadblocks of judgment that are the stumbling blocks for her in her pathway to faith. For us, that is our challenge, to clear the faith pathway, to do whatever we can to deal with judgments as we experience it. Wherever you find it on social media, to delete or dismiss it, to defend and support those under attack. Now, quick side note, I am not saying that we should get into arguments with people on social media. How many of you know that is a fool's errand? Anybody? Yeah. We don't, don't, don't engage people. On, it's pointless. But, Perhaps, if you come across a post on social media that is judgmental towards a particular group of people, perhaps you would like to post something yourself on your feeds, on your socials, that defends those people, who supports those people, who encourages them. So we might get one post, negative, but hundreds of posts, positive, encouraging and supportive. Let us make that our challenge. The second thing that I think is a bit of a, a icy covering, a snowbound covering that obliterates the path is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. I love the line that, you know, people say, church is full of hypocrites. Have you heard someone say that? I love the response to that. There's always room for one more. The thing is, if we recognise our own and are honest about our hypocrisy, it ceases to be hypocrisy. It's a bit of a paradox, right? And that is our challenge, to admit that we are not perfect. I'm the first person to admit that I'm not perfect. Actually, no, the first person to admit that I'm not perfect might be my wife. Well, yeah. I'm not perfect and neither are you, and that's okay. You know, it's one of the reasons why I could never put a fish bumper sticker on my car. I don't drive well enough. I tend to uh, be a bit of a lead foot. You see, we need to be clear that being a Christian doesn't make anyone perfect. It makes us complete, whole. It gives us an impetus, an energy and an ability to grow in ways that we couldn't before, but it doesn't make us perfect. At least not perfect in the way we understand the word perfect. There's some confusion there over interpretation, of course, of course, of course. But let's look back at what Jesus' Jesus' story and the key verses are verses 23 and 24. It's who you are and the way you live that counts before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is looking out for, or out looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before Him in worship. The antidote to hypocrisy is honestly themselves. You see that that phrase there. The woman, having experienced direct affirmation and acceptance from Jesus, the one she comes to believe is the Son of God, the Messiah, suddenly she has the courage 
to go and talk openly about her experience. In bare honesty, she met a prophet, come meet a man who knows everything I ever did, who knows me inside and out. But unlike any other prophet, she has these unspoken words that trail off on the end of this phrase and doesn't condemn me for it. You see, if she's willing to talk like this, her sense of condemnation has been eliminated, or at least ameliorated, by Jesus' acceptance. So, if the second roadblock to obscuring the path to faith is our perceived hypocrisy, we can only remove it with courageous openness, honesty and authenticity. As more senior members of this community, as parents, as, as people here today, how often do you discuss your personal struggles and wrestles with life? How often are you willing to get up and talk about your mistakes, your questions of God, your wrestles with the Spirit? How often are you willing to stand up and say, I'm really struggling this week, I don't feel like God is listening to me, I've got no idea what to do in this part of my life. Or, I'm really struggling this week with alcohol or pornography or anger or some other issue that is part of being human. How often are we willing to be authentic, open and honest? We need to be people who have courageous authenticity. So, we need to affirm people like Jesus did. We need to have courageous authenticity like the woman at the well had. But that is all pointless, unless we're actually with people. We need to be like those local guys in Tasmania, out there with the other hikers. I was going to say out there with the other walkers, but there are about four families. For those of you who don't know, there are about four families in this core with a surname Walker. And they're not related. So we're not out there with the walkers, although we can be out there with the walkers. But the walkers could be out there with the people, you see? I know, it's confusing. We need to be out there, making friends, having friends outside of the world, the christian world. Now, friendship is hard, I admit. Friends stand up and say, I'm really struggling this week, I don't feel like God is listening to me, I've got no idea what to do in this part of my life. Or, I'm really struggling this week with alcohol or pornography or anger or some other issue that is part of being human. How often are we willing to be authentic, open and honest? We need to be people who have courageous authenticity. So, we need to affirm people like Jesus did. We need to have courageous authenticity like the woman at the well had. But that is all pointless, unless we're actually with people. We need to be like those local guys in Tasmania, out there with the other hikers. I was going to say out there with the other walkers, but there are about four families, for those of you who don't know, there are about four families in this core with a surname Walker, and they're not related. So, we're not out there with the walkers, although we can be out there with the walkers, but the walkers could be out there with the people, you see? I know, it's confusing. We need to be out there, making friends, having friends outside 
of the world, the Christian-y world. Now, friendship is hard, I admit. Friendship does take effort. Not, every, not everything in a friendship is going to be perfectly suited. My best mate and I have had a lot of adventures. We have a lot of road trips together. We drove to Perth once for kebabs and drove back. But there are some topics which we don't talk about by mutual agreement. Actually, generally, it's just US politics we don't talk about. We have different views. I'm a socialist, he's an American. So we don't talk about it. I'm converting him though, I'm sure. It's going to be, it won't be long. Friendships are not super easy all the time, they're not always perfect. But the stereotypes of judgment and hypocrisy come about because people don't even really get to know anyone who's a genuine Christian. They don't really have any meaningful friendships with people who are open and honest enough to share their spiritual life. Perhaps we need to be careful about being at church too much. I know, I know, I said it. We need to be careful about being at church too much. We need to be careful about, we, we, we need to allow space and time to hang out with other people to broaden our friendship networks. Join a sports club, play golf. I assume that's a sport, but who knows. Go cycling, join the gym and actually go to the gym. I have a history of joining gyms, not so good at going. Go surfing with people, play computer games with people, volunteer at surf clubs, join a service club like Rotary Alliance, get involved in bush care or go play in community bands or orchestras, join motherhood groups. It's Mother's Day. How much fun are motherhood groups? Mothers? I have heard that motherhood groups aren't always fun. Is that true? I don't know, maybe take back up. Anyway, go and have fun. Go get to know people and find people and um, have real relationships with people. In John chapter 4, after the conversation with the woman at the well, Jesus spends a couple of days hanging out with the people in that village. He deliberately takes the time. This is even more significant when you understand that in the first few verses of John chapter 4, it explains that Jesus was in a super duper hurry to get from where he was to where he was going, that he took a shortcut through Samaria. And then, when he discovers the Samaritans and, and he makes friends with them, he stops with them for a couple of days instead of charging on through to address the problem that he had to address. So, the great grand holiness message for today is this. Just go hang out with people doing stuff you like doing. Develop real friendships. Real friendships, drilling down on real issues. Few things are more significant than the meaning of life. But if faith is a part of your life, then you'll just naturally talk about it. As you are authentic, as you are courageous, as you are affirming and loving. So that's it. That's our challenge, our mission is to create faith pathways by being accepting and affirming of all people, and by spreading our friendship networks wider, wider, by being open, courageous,
courageous and a true friend with people in our villages. We're going to sing our final song for this morning, but I wonder if you would stand with me as we pray. Let's stand and pray, and then I think we'll stay standing for our final song. Dear Lord, teach me to love others the way you first loved me. Help me to broaden my friendship network as I build real relationships with others. Let them see you in the extent of my acceptance and affirmation of them. May they see you in the authenticity of my kindness and the depths of my love. God, I recognize that all these things are only possible through you, the God who abides with me, lives with me, and calls me friend. May this be true in my life, I pray. Amen and amen.